Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. With me today is Belle Temby, Director of Digital Services Lab, a digital services agency she founded with her husband, Mike, about three years ago. Belle, Mike and their team work with charities and the not-for-profit sector providing digital support, including website builds and ongoing maintenance, SEO and digital strategy. What's it like to run a business with your partner? How do you switch off when you get home? Although Belle admits that working with your partner can be challenging, Belle and Mike draw on their differences in certain skills which complement each other. First up, Belle tells me how Digital Services Lab came to life. Well, Digital Services Lab is a fairly new business. It's about three years old and I've opened that with my husband, Mike. And Mike is a wonderful technical person, part of our business, and I'm the customer experience person, the one that deals with all of the people and we develop websites for -for not-for-profit organisations and businesses that are doing good. Uh, That's where we niche to. And we also offer digital assistance to businesses um, and that could be anything from a specialised package of putting together, say, a customer relationship management system for people, uh, potentially running that customer relationship management system, and just a range of digital services to support businesses and getting their presence online working really well for their customers. Perfect. So three years, what's been the challenges of starting your own business? Uh, Well, I have started a business before, so at least it wasn't a challenge in in that sense. Uh, But I did find... One of the biggest challenges in this one was that I was doing it with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, The other challenges have have obviously been, well, I wouldn't say obviously, but my husband wanted to leave his job three years ago and we then started working on this business to a point that it was developed and then he left his job full-time two years ago, very good corporate job in IT that he was working in. And then I kept a job for a couple of days a week. So we had um, a significant amount of time and effort to put into it. But definitely that money management when you don't have a, a partner that's bringing in the income and then the, the goal is for both of us to work full time on the business, that I would see is the most significant challenge, making sure that you can make ends all meet. Pay yeah. the mortgage. It's scary. How, yeah. how how were the early days? So when he stepped into the business after a couple of years, yeah. how were those early days? How did you manage that anxiety that comes with no fallback position of corporate dollars? Yeah. Well, I think we managed it best by having really tight budgets and understanding that now we didn't have all of the extra expenditure. So we used to get pocket money. Um, we <laughs> We also had a couple of car loans. We actually paid them off 
before he went into it so that we our debts were quite low, I mean, apart from a mortgage. <laughs> um, so just managing that was really the best way forward for us and to avoid being completely anxious and going out of our minds. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the subject of Mike, because he is in the business with you, so you spend a lot of time together running your business. We do. How is it <laughs> difficult to separate your personal and family life? Yes. <laughs> in a word, yes, it is very much so. Um, but we do have, we have a mutual respect for each other in that if we don't want to talk about work, then we can just say to the other person, look, it's five o'clock today or it's, you know, seven or 10 p.m. And now I've had enough. So even though you're still going and you're motivated and you're in a different headspace to me, we don't have to have this conversation now. Let's pick it up tomorrow when we're working again. Yeah, so I think that works really well. And then on the flip side, it actually works really well sometimes if we're both in the headspace and it might be 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. and we're making a coffee or taking the dogs for a walk and we actually just get to bounce ideas off each other because we're in that space, which you actually don't get with people that you don't live with. Yeah, that's right. So you've kind of got a common language around or some signals around if you've had enough or if he said enough, you kind of call it, you know, it's 5pm, whatever it is. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think in saying all of that, though, it is extremely challenging working with your partner and I have not nailed it. So I don't have all the answers and he doesn't have all the answers. And we're still trying to really find our way and navigate through this situation. Um, And I think one of the things that we'll be exploring soon will be having, you know, definite time away from each other. But I think it's really important to, you know, when you're doing something so much with your partner to make sure that you keep that real sense of independence and who you are, which I find you often get that at work. Yes, true. So now it's about trying to, I think, really work out how we're going to do that. Uh, is it helpful, though, that he's the technical boffin and you're the customer experience person? Those those roles are quite actually quite different. They are, but we both have a skill set to offer in both of those areas. And what the ideal would be is that we're each a boss of those domains. And so if Mike said to me, Belle, you need to do something, it needs to be done this way, and I am the subordinate and I say, yes, Mike, <laughs> I will do it that way, no problems, and then he vice versa – At the moment, we haven't quite got there yet, so we both need to really be across a lot of the work that we're doing. Another side of it is that I work on the search engine optimization and search engine marketing for clients, and that has a lot to do with the technical aspects of the website as well. So we really have to work together, and sometimes what he sees as a good idea, I see as not such a good idea because of a whole set of other reasons. So it's trying to, I I guess, marry the two and make decisions that just benefit our clients (laughs) all the time, which it is, and that's our number one priority, and then how we actually navigate that space in the behind the scenes. Yeah. So how did you find, how did you work out your niche market that you wanted to work with not-for-profits and those doing good, and how do you define doing good? Yes, that's a good question. Um, I would define doing good as definitely not doing bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But more, look, I think... I was actually talking to someone at your lunch about this mm. yesterday. Yeah. And I think what happens is well, hang on. I'm going to go back and answer the question first. Why did we niche to not for profits in the first place? And that's because I have a background in the not for profit sector. 
And then the second part of that question is, I wanted to get out of the sector working for one particular not-for-profit. I mean, I loved all of the not-for-profits I worked with, but I didn't want to work for just one not-for-profit. I wanted to work with many and I wanted to help them grow their online presence to become better engaged online. Um, and I think that's a part that, that is really lacking for the smaller organisations. So that's, I really wanted to work with them. Um, and coincidentally, as soon as we ran this business, we had people, other businesses that were for profit that also worked with not-for-profits who wanted to work with us because we had that like-minded spirit. And so it organically came about that we were, okay, let's talk about for-purpose businesses. Anyone that's doing good is a person that we want to work with because they're like-minded, because we're really interested in the work that they do and how they support others and try and make a better impact on either their local community, the country, the world, the state that they live in. So that's where that really came about. And Mike loves it because he's come from this corporate world, which and that was a big alcohol distributor. And so him moving into this has been really exciting for him. He really likes working with the people that work in this space. Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of community, I'm looking at your credentials. You've been a mentor. You've been on a committee for King Lake Rangers Neighbourhood House. You're a foster carer. We've had a few conversations about foster caring and volunteering. So I can see that it drives everything that you kind of do. Yeah, absolutely. Did you fall into doing all of that or is that just where you've come from? No, I didn't fall into it. So I actually started off as a conveyancer working in the legal sector for the first basically 10 years of my career. Um, And I did have in the background that I would like to become a youth worker. So I did that, became a youth worker, and that's when the whole community world opened up to me and it just felt right. It fit like a glove and I actually really enjoy being a part of the community that I live in now and just offering whatever skill set I can to help improve uh, an organisation that I align with. So I guess somewhere in there in my mid-20s, I just went, okay, social justice is my thing. (laughs) I really like it and I think that you have to fight for people who don't have the opportunities that everybody else has and I think that if you can provide those opportunities, the results that you get are well and truly worth it. It's interesting because having come from the not-for-profit sector myself, there's this, I suppose, a contrast between working in a not-for-profit sector and having that social justice and then having that commercial element of running a business. Yes. How do you marry those two things? Yeah, that's a good question as well. And one of the things I considered is would I open this business and become a not-for-profit? And then the governance of that... (laughs) I then thought I have to have so many people around the table and I actually just want to do things in my own right. (laughs) Um, And the way that I've married that actually is there's there's a whole emerging trend for businesses that are for-profit businesses that have a level of critiquing and standards to adhere to through, have you heard of B Corporations? Yes, B Corporations. Yeah. So that is my aim, to become a B Corporation. And we're going through the assessment process at the moment, and that's taking a long time. So I've been going through that assessment process for a year. Oh, dear. Tell me, for our audience who may not know what a B Corporation is, can you explain it simply for them? I hope so. So a B B Corporation is a business that has proven that they're doing good and meeting uh, certain goals that are either have have a good environmental impact, social impact, or policy impact that you're 
working well for your staff, that you're working well on an environmental or sustainable level, um, and that the work that you do is for the benefit of good. Um, also, a portion of profits will go towards a good cause in most cases. Right. Okay. So you've been in that process for a year. Well, I have, but it's completely on me. It's not because oh, okay. the process was too hard. Right. It's more that, I mean, the process is long and it should be because once you get the certification, you know, it's a, it's a real good stamp of approval and then other businesses know that you've taken those measures and steps to become uh, certified as a B Corp. But it's more that I've had so many other areas I need to focus on because I'm running my own business. So I'm sitting there thinking one day when I have a really quiet moment or week <laughs> I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to finish this. Okay. Yeah. You're a business owner, so the one day when you have a quiet moment never really happens. Might no. need to carve that out. <laughs> I the do amount need to of times I hear, if I had that, I'm like, oh, you're going to have to carve it out, I my know. Friend. I think yeah. I need to take a holiday and do the peak <laughs> off assessment. <laughs> take a holiday. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting because I think it's a great way to merge the skills that you bring and the motivation from your heart, which you obviously have, into that professional setting. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also find, I didn't mention this before, but it is interesting, the businesses that I work with that aren't specifically not-for-profits, they tend to go out of their way now to tell me what parts of their business they're doing good in. So, oh, so you're impacting I, them. Yeah. You know, well, you know, I don't know if I'm impacting them, but I think they refer to my website and then they want to tell me, not that I'm trying to qualify people, it's more that they go out of their way, so I don't even have to bother qualifying people to work with us. And they'll say, oh, I, you know that I work with this charity, my local charity, and I had a tour company in Yarra Glen and I had a brokerage service, and they were basically both saying what parts of their business are trying to help more disadvantaged people. I thought, oh, isn't that lovely? Isn't that, that lovely? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think when you are striving to have an impact somewhere – and even if the businesses that you work with know that, they almost they almost try and prove it. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's kind of like a domino impact anyway. Yeah, and it's yeah. nice to hear those stories. I'm like, oh, cool, yeah. I'm, And we're not perfect ourselves. We're trying to do things that are good. We're trying to give uh, bigger discounts to not-for-profits. And then we might have a kind of go that extra mile, knowing that they just simply can't afford it. It's not within their budgets to do these types of things. So always trying to do more for the not-for-profits. Not that our business clients miss out in any way, shape or form, but they usually have more expenditure. Yes, yes. Do you find, um, because I came from not-for-profit and if I was working with a supplier, I was always very mindful of cash, right? Very mindful of the funds that we spend. Yes, Absolutely. Do you find that a bit of a challenge that they want a lot of value and don't really want to pay much? Do you find that that's a bit of a challenge? Yes, absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. I do find that a challenge. Um, and it's also, I think the hard part is that those not-for-profits are really run by committees of management. So I think the fact that it's not just one person, you know, often the person that's running the show may want to spend that money and they can see the value and the outcomes there. And then there's a committee of management who haven't really uh, explored what the benefits are for having a stronger online presence and that, that they can really achieve more of their goals. All about their vision and mission can be better achieved if they have an online presence as well as continue the work that they're doing offline. Um, so I think it's really about putting that value proposition on the table for that person in charge to take it back to the committee of management and word it in such a way where everybody's nodding their head saying, yeah, that is a good idea because we're going to reach more people 
do more good and fulfil the goals of our organisation um, in different ways. Yeah, and I think sometimes IT and digital services are a mystery to people. So they know yes. they need them, but they don't know exactly what they need. Or they're technically challenged, like me, I fully yeah. admit it. Um, but I think sometimes they need someone else's words to influence whoever it is that they need to get across the line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the hard part really for a business in getting their messages across, uh, and this isn't just not-for-profit business, this is, I'm talking more about other businesses, is that there's so much out there with let's get a website drop together builder and it'll only cost zero dollars and it'll be free service and all you have to do is have the logo on the website and you think oh gee and so that kind of undervalues I think the entire process of providing a really good customer experience online and to promote a really professional image and to promote your brand and give who you are to it and sometimes we need to accept that we don't have all the skill sets Mm. so we have a graphic designer who is amazing. I don't do the graphic design myself. I refer to the people that know it really well. Um, And I think that's sometimes where people's websites can let them down. Well, it's interesting that you said that because generally in business, I think as a business owner, we feel like we have to do everything even though we're not technically very good at it. So for me, um, I don't manage my own diary because I'm terrible at it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But um, I'm very good at coaching. Right. So I'd rather be with people coaching than I would be managing my diary what are the things for you that you outsource or ditch or delegate because you're actually not very good at them as a business owner yeah good question so I outsource anything I really don't like that's fiddly or technical to Mike my husband (laughs) (laughs) and then I have as I said we've got a graphic designer who does work with our team Uh, so we delegate anything to her or to get a second opinion on Uh, copywriting in some cases it depends on what the copy is for so if someone wants copywriting for a website then I would say yes I can do that because I'm marrying up what you're writing with SEO but then if you want copywriting for a hard copy brochure or any other type of copywriting service that isn't trying to boost your rankings in Google I would say definitely go to someone else who and I will go to someone else myself to get that kind of support so what about so you want to work with clients that are not for profits or for good yes what about your suppliers do you actively source suppliers that are either not for profit or for good that's such a good question and yes we do try to absolutely yeah so um i mean i'm a vegetarian anyway um but i do try and source all you know hand soaps anything that's going into the bathrooms or the office uh recycled paper things that don't have animal products in them if I can, and a social enterprise actually provides it. So have you heard of the Thank You yes, brand? Yes, I love Thank You. Yeah, so Thank You puts nearly all of their profits back into an, another doing good purpose and they have projects that they're running across the world um, and that's to, you know, from sanitising water to lots of other projects that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, definitely trying to do that. And when we're sourcing things like we drink a lot of tea at our office, so I try and make sure that that tea is actually ethically sourced and isn't um, using any slave labour or underpaid workers who can't meet their living expenses. It's really hard, though, I think, to sometimes understand those supply chains way back to the factory. But anyway, that's a different story for a different day. (laughs) Tell me, um, do you get stressed and, and how do you manage that? Yes, I do get stressed, um, very stressed. I think what's particularly hard is when you have a small business and then you do something like sell your house. 
Yes, which you've just been through. I have been. Well, you haven't quite been through <laughs> no, it yet. No, we're waiting you? for the sale. We're yes. just <laughs> we're getting there. First inspections tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but I think that's when it becomes particularly stressful um, on both our relationship because we're in uh, business together, living together, selling a house together. All of this is happening all at once. So I think managing the stress sometimes just comes down to taking a deep breath, doing some yoga, sometimes having a nice wine <laughs> on the deck um, and just trying to trying to remember that it won't always be, you know, a year from now you'll look back and you won't even remember that it was like this. So I think that's, I, yeah, I manage stress by looking forward a lot. Yeah. And with you and Mike in the business, I suppose it's not as lonely as if you're a solo business owner, but does it get lonely for you? And who do you use as a sounding board or for inspiration? Yeah, I think it does definitely get lonely still. And Mike is new to the running a business game as well. So sometimes I like to look at people, even like yourself, Emma, who have been running business and know a lot about it. So even just reading blogs that people put together, having my own mentors that I go to as well. And then I've got completely outside of this, going to the girlfriends, you know, my very good friends, Karen, Kate and Ariel, And they are just a good sounding board that will give a different perspective than any other business owner because they don't run business. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's important too to sometimes try and get someone else to make you realise how things aren't always as important as they seem. Yeah. Perception's (laughs) everything, right? Yeah. Um, And as we wrap up, what does the future look like for you? What's kind of your five-year deal? What's your five-year plan? The five-year plan is to move to Mallacoota, which is 550 kilometres away from Melbourne. Okay, good. Um, (laughs) So that's step one. So living there by the water with a boat. Wow. Running our business together, developing an application for the not-for-profit sector to help uh, not-for-profits manage their businesses. It's like a, a buddy, if you will, and basically trying to reaffirm what it is we want or need because we won't have a mortgage. Wow. I cannot fathom that. Good no. job. That's awesome. You yeah. won't fathom that either till you probably get into it. No, and I can't wait to get there because I think that's when you get to – when money really comes away from – well, from having such a huge dependency on money, we're always going to depend on yeah. money, yeah. I think, in the society that we're in. Yeah. Um, but when we're not dependent on it for living and having a roof over our heads, I think it becomes a very different question of how you design your life and exactly what you do want from it. So – yeah. Yeah. And I, l- I love that you talked about being the architect of your life and life by design. Yeah. And that's what you try. It sounds like that's what you're trying to get to. It's exactly what we're trying to do. I mean, I just took a step back earlier this year and said, it doesn't always have to be hard forever. And we have all of these resources at our fingertips where we can actually sell everything that we own. And not everyone's in this position, and I completely understand that. Yeah. But we can sell everything that we own. We can move somewhere. And it's a beautiful place that we thought we might retire in. And we can do it now. And so we just, well, well, let's do it now. And you can always reverse decisions like that. And so we're living the retirement dream, but still running a business and trying to see where that takes us. That's so so cool. Yeah. I want to be you when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Belle. Um, We're out of time, but I just want to say thank you so much. It's so nice to see someone's heart for social justice and the not-for-profit sector and it's it can be really difficult to bring your, your corporate skill set together yes absolutely and your passion together and i can see that you guys are trying really hard to do that how do people find you uh so if you look up digital services lab on google 
uh, then you will will be the first one that come up. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. That was tea with Belle Temby. What a go-getter. If you're a not-for-profit and looking for someone to build your website, go to digitalservicesLab.com.au. Details are in the show notes. This interview was recorded before the devastating bushfires which impacted much of the beautiful town of Malakuta. Despite that, Bell tells me it hasn't deterred their commitment to live in Malakuta in the near future. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which would make my day because reviews help share the stories of the inspirational women I'm lucky to work with. Of course, you can contact me directly. Let's not be shy. You'll find my details on my website at emmamcqueen.com.au. It's also where you'll find my book, Go Getter, where I share practical and sustainable tips and strategies to raise your mojo, shift your mindset and thrive. Speak to you soon. Listener.